Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. I'm Erica Wides, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to We Dig Plants. I'm Alice Marcus Krieg. And I'm Carmen DeVito. And we are the ladies of Groundworks, Inc. We design, install, and maintain gardens in and around New York City. And We Dig Plants brings the culture to horticulture. Yes. So today is our last show before Christmas. We last have of the year. Last too. of the year. Yes. That's right. Last of 2014. Yay. So we have um, a really special, interesting topic today. We're going to talk about Jesus, and we're going to talk about the plants and the herbs associated with the life of Jesus. And we're going to talk a little bit about winter, because it's the solstice as well. And we're going to talk about winter um, as the season for reflection and rebirth. Yes, so, and we're headed towards the light as we of today. Are. <laughs> we have just in the northern hemisphere just a little bit more daylight yeah. every day, a little bit. And that makes yeah. us very, very happy. And March 8th is daylight savings time change. Yes, it's nice and early. Which is nice and early, which I'm so excited yeah. about. So let's go towards the light. Towards the light. <laughs> so, Shelly, welcome. Lead us into the light. Thank <laughs> you. My pleasure. <laughs> so, Shelly is our guest. Um, and we have, she's an amazing writer. We met her at the GWA conference. She wrote a book called... God's Word for Gardener's Bible. Grow your faith while growing your garden. It's the new international version from Zondervan Bibles. Did I pronounce that right? Yes. Okay. (laughs) So a little bit about Shelley. Um, She is an author and a gardener. She's a suburban mom who found the Word of God to be completely useful and practical in her everyday life, not to mention delightfully fun. Her background includes work in architectural and garden design, as well as involvement in Toastmasters, which is a local Bible study group, Moms in Prayer, and Moms of Preschoolers Ministries. So she's the author of God's Word for Gardener's Bible, which is a devotional Bible written for gardeners, which features essays on a range of garden themes, Bible plants, landscapes of scripture, and quotations from garden writing across the history and how-to of gardening. So um, she is currently speaking and encouraging those interested in gardening and growing their own good things to grow their faith alongside their garden, seeking the beauty and the revelations of scripture, connecting the world to uh, the word to the land. So you have a website um, called www.gardenindelight.com. And it really serves as a reference for planting and cooking with plants, 
um, and an understanding of the Bible and how plants are connected. Very interesting within. website. Yeah. Very, very unique perspective. So, Shelly, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I, am, I appreciate being the last show of the year. What a triumph. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, uh, what was the impetus for writing your book? Oh, thank you. It was, it's been about six years since I got started, but it even was before that. Um, another author, we authors are usually inspired by other authors or other books, but there was a book written about right back about uh, 2000 by Dr. Bruce Wilkinson, and it was called Secrets of the Vine. And in that book, he just looked at John 15, which is the verses that are probably ringing in your heart. I am the vine, you are the branches, or I am the, my father is the gardener. That short passage in John 15, mm-hmm. re- Jesus relates to the grapevine, and there are many, many metaphors there. Right. So Dr. Wilkinson went and interviewed and worked alongside for a little bit a vineyard owner a vine dresser, a man whose livelihood, you know, was tending those vines day in, day out through the summer. And vine dressers are just wonderful. They know every cluster of grapes in their vineyard. They are very intimately connected. They walk the land constantly, and they know their plants. And so uh, as Dr. Wilkinson got to know this man and, and learned more about how he tended and cared for his grapes, it lined up exactly with what Jesus was saying, and it was very illustrative or illuminated much of the meaning and when I got finished in a little book because it was only on the first 15 verses or so of that chapter and when I got finished with I just thought it was so beautiful that this man who walks the land this vine dresser what he knows by tending his grapes is what Jesus wanted his disciples to know. Yeah. And so I just thought it was so beautiful, and I wanted to read more. You know, if there's this much in just this little passage, how much more is in this big, thick book? And right. so that just inspired me to keep going, and I just kept thinking, surely in thousands of years since we've had God's Word, someone has looked into this, but I never did find it. So I just kept looking and researching and and put the proposal together to Zondervan, and they said yes. So, Great. Um, I mean, there anyway. have been books about uh, herbs in the Bible. And, and biblical pl- and, plants. And biblical yeah. plants. But this is a different kind of book. This is an actual Bible right? that then ref- that uses the, the words and, and the passages and relates them to the plants. Is that correct, Shelley? That's correct. Right. And uh, I hope that, that is, everyone gets to see the blessing in that because there is so much interconnectedness. And, of course, like, for example, fig trees, their fig leaves are mentioned almost in the first verses there in Genesis when Adam and Eve have to quickly get dressed and leave the garden. But <laughs> figs are mentioned all the way throughout Scripture. Even Jesus cursed a fig tree. So when you start to look at the different places across Scripture where figs are mentioned and then how they're mentioned in each of these instances, and you start to see patterns and connection, and it's just so beautiful. And so you really need that whole Bible there because you're going to end up wanting, like me, flipping back and forth and looking it up over here and seeing right. it over here, and it it just continues to uh, show different layers and, and connections. It's wonderful. Well, that's what I loved about the book is you have organized it by themes, but then... So the themes are kind of the general architecture of the book, but then you really go right into the kind of hardcore language of the Bible and and then make the relationships. And, And I think that's what makes it really unique and readable as opposed to just reading the Bible is that there's a there's a 
there's a contextual um, meaning behind the Bible, I think, which is what you've given it, which is um, amazing to me. It is just amazing. And sometimes I admit, I mean, I'm, I'm not trained in this by any means, but, but those plants to me became, okay, I know this plant, or maybe I want to get to know this plant, or, you know, what can I learn about this plant? What do I know about this plant that will show me what this scripture is trying to say? Right. Often, and, and so it helps you dig deeper, but it's a good, it's a grounding point, and it's, uh, it's, through our senses, we can taste and see and smell and imagine. Right. Uh, and it just draws us in. It's wonderful. So let's talk about... Um, yeah, let's get let, into the let's plants. Let's get into the plants. The specific plants. Because, you know, I think everybody... I, I want to talk first with, like, the meaning of Jesus. And, and Shelly, you have kind of determined... Uh, hyssop as one of those plants, and then there's a trio of plants um, that I want to talk about. So let's start first with hyssop, because hyssop is associated with cleansing, and since that's the whole essence of of Jesus and his the you know reason and being for his life, um, let's talk with let's start with hyssop. Oh, that's my favorite place to start. Thank you. <laughs> well, hyssop, and personally, hyssop was one of the, what in the world is hyssop? Where do I find hyssop? You probably won't find it yet at your garden center, so you might have to go online. There are different growers that will send it to you. But uh, I want, I didn't know anything about this plant, and amazingly enough, I wrote this book without ever going to the Holy Land, so here I am. What? Why would you want to be cleansed with hyssop? What does that mean? You know, so I just wanted to smell and taste and understand what this plant was and what what it felt like to be with this plant. Why would I? Why would David say these things in his psalm? But but hyssop is so wonderful because it, it this is a perfect example of the layering of meaning and the beauty and the heritage that is found across God's word. Because hyssop is first mentioned way back in Exodus and in the uh, as the uh, Israelites were leaving. Egypt, uh, when they were delivered from Egypt by the Lord, uh, hyssop was part of a cleansing ritual for those who had skin diseases. Mm-hmm. And so that is, a, it's a, uh, it's a low, it's a very uh, like herbs. Most herbs are very low water needs. You know, it's mm-hmm. almost the semi-arid desert plant. They mm-hmm. say it grows in much of the Holy Land area, and and. Uh, its leaves have a, a very distinctive aroma. It's it's an oregano. It's from the mint family, and it's an it's related to an oregano, and so it has a little bit of a oregano scent, but it has a little mystery to it too. So it's a, it's a little unique too. And then when it blooms, oh my gosh, the fragrance just enhances a multitude. And the little flowers attract bees like you wouldn't believe. I know some people are worried about the bee population and pollination problem. If we all planted hyssop in our yards, we'd have no more problem. I promise you. It, this, the bees are so attracted to it. And so there again, God had promised the Israelites this land of, of, that was filled with milk and honey, flowing with milk and honey. Well, when you have this plant in your yard, you know because those bees are crazy. There must have been all kinds of honey. There was plenty of hyssop flowers to feed those bees. So so this is kind of this heritage of this plant. And then when David uh, has committed his sin and uh, returning to the Lord for forgiveness and confession, he asked to be cleansed with hyssop. So he is repeating this same element of just being cleansed and being forgiven by the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so then the most touching detail of all, I feel, is that this herb is lifted to Jesus' face as he is on the cross. 
mm-hmm. and they, they make a sponge with it. And when you uh, have the little flowers, you can understand that a little bit better. They kind of get this funky little tuft on them as their seeds form mm. after they flower. And, and, so here, and so if you imagine that Jesus was walking the land with his disciples and living in the land, growing up from baby to man, and he knew this holy land and he walked it and that scent was ever present as he walked the land and then here he is winning our forgiveness on the cross and that plant is lifted to his face and the plant that we're talking about uh, the hyssop because there's also anise hyssop and there's different kinds the one that's that we think it is is oregonum syriacum right is that correct if people want to grow it that's probably what what the species was right and apparently it was also used with cedar um uh it was used as part of the paint in the Passover ceremony um, over the doorway during Exodus. During Exodus, yeah. Yeah, so. it was. It was. They were to take a um, a bunch of hyssop and dip it in blood and pa- yes, pass it over uh, over their door frame. So again, as that angel of death is passing over, right? The Israelites were spared, and we we are spared from death with our faith in Jesus. So yeah. Well, I wonder that, if I can grow it, this in I, my garden. I'm big into herbs as well. I grow a lot of different herbs. And I think I'm going to add this to my collection. You need so. to add it. I <laughs> wish I could bring you a cutting. <laughs> you can find it online. But then, uh, so it's just a wonderful uh, drawing. And, and then, of course, the whole uh, herbs are so wonderful because, in general, their culture is very forgiving. You yes. don't need to be particular in your pruning. You hardly need to water these guys. They can yeah. endure sun all day long. As a Texas gardener, I love my herbs because oh, it's yeah. a hot, you know, waterless summer practically, and these herbs endure. And uh, and then they're evergreen. Many of them, at least in our area, will grow evergreen. And so it's just a very forgiving plant. And when you have herbs in your yard, as you probably know, you just, oh, what can I bake next? And what, how can I use this? You know, right. the smell is so compelling. And they're and very... They're, and yet you, you can just leave them or you can, you can yes. cut them back to cut with, cook with them or you can leave them. I mean, they, they don't care. They're so forgiving. Right. <laughs> and productive. I mean, just yeah. from... I make years worth of pesto from three basil plants. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's get into the... Let's talk about the, the trinity. Of, yeah. yeah. And the trinity, trinity of plants, the mint, dill, and cumin. That also has a long... A lot of a lot of uh, mention in in the Bible as well. It does well, and this particular when Jesus calls on these three plants, I find this this was a really fun point in writing this. I actually wasn't going to include it at first because I didn't really understand at first, but but then we needed to include it, and so. Um, we, where he is mentioning this, the, these three together, he's talking about how the uh, Pharisees were using these as tithes. When a tithe, you know, was like a monetary gift um, that they yes. were to give gifts or monetary to the church, um, well, to God, you know, in stewardship by the church, but or by the Hebrew, or Jewish church at the time. But right. uh, so, but, but this is just kind of a fun irony and, and shows you a little bit into the play on words that you will find. And gardeners have a humor. We have to have a sense of humor, right? Yeah. Since <laughs> the sun beats down on us so hard. <laughs> <laughs> everything we try hard to do dies and everything we ignore grows, you know. You right. have to have a certain sense of humor. So I found this to be a little bit of humorous part is that 
um, these Pharisees that Jesus singles out, they are very, uh, they are keepers of the law. They are very rigid in how they follow God, the law that was handed down to them. And they are so rigid that they are very uncaring and unloving and un, um, not compassionate towards uh, their followers. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is pointing out to them, you know, you give your tithes, but you're, the essence of what he's saying is that you, you don't follow the law that you're keeping. Right. Because you don't have compassion for the people that you're, you're leading. Yeah. And, and the heart of God is love and compassion and mercy. And so you're, you're following it on the outside, but you're not following it in your heart. You don't have it in your heart. Right. The actual scripture passage is Matthew twenty three twenty three. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. That's right. Yeah. And so uh, what, is, what we point out in the devotion on this is that herbs, we love herbs. There's nothing wrong with herbs, of course, but they are, uh, they are not the heart of a meal, right? They are not the heart of nourishment. When right. They are, they are, you know, they look, they are appearance and they give it flavor and zest and appeal, but that's not, so you might put your herbs, put your mint or your cumin in your rice or barley or, you know, couscous or something like that to flavor it. But the heart of that nutrition is not the herb, right? right? And so he's saying you, and, and he points out that these, they're dressed beautifully. They have this beautiful appearance of, of the law, but they are not uh, following it in heart and in nourishment, you know, in that. Right, right. It's the it. surface, and, right. It's the surface, not, yeah. the, not the body. And not right. the spirit of the law. Right. Not the spirit. And so that, you know, as a gardener, you think that's just a kind of little holder. You will, you will understand that because we all know that the, the herbs flavor our food, but they are not the heart of what we're after in, right. in nourishing ourselves. And so it's kind of just a fun little play there. Yeah. Well, the book is so great because you cover so much. It's it's a thick book. It's it's the exact same size as a Bible. <laughs> and um but yet there's more to it. There's all this um all this extreme like extreme research. How did you research all of this? Did you have help, Shelley? I mean, this is a This is a very academic task. book. Yeah. I have a wonderful friend who helped me with the research in the plants because there is a lot of controversy. Uh, you know, a lot of the plants um, are not, it's not always a one-to-one correspondence, and there's some controversy. It's not always a clear botanical name sometimes, like the word lilies. is not exactly clear which exact flower that was. So right. it takes a lot of time to read through and, and try to figure out or discern which which. Uh, plant would be the best representation here. Right. This so, is like a PhD. This book is really intense. <laughs> well, you know, gardeners are crazy. Once you get something in your head, you're just going to do it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it's it was just a labor of love, but it was just one day at a time. And I'll tell you, one of the greatest parts of this, which uh, it's especially for anyone looking for a fresh view and reading their Bible, is that uh, the anticipation that comes with gardening and with a gardener's viewpoint is wonderful because don't we all hear you were just talking about it was yesterday was the first day of winter and you are already looking to the yeah. first day of spring you know yeah. you just yes. you yeah. just anticipate but it's so fun right it's hope, how you right. look forward and you move forward and you know that you know in, if we get a huge snowstorm tomorrow we know we will move through that and there will be a spring yeah. and it will and so that anticipation and so the the devotions 
uh, of the book are written in that sequence, mm-hmm. a sequence of what a gardener does from preparing the soil mm. uh, to planting to watering, the time of cultivating and pruning and weeding, taking you on through to the harvest and propagating. So that sequence develops an anticipation, and that was really what helped me to get through all this was just knowing, oh, well, as soon as I research and, you know, write on growing, well, then it's going to start flowering. We want to see what happens next. Right, right. Yeah, and in each, uh, with each section, you have a read mm-hmm. sort of tab, like read Matthew twenty three twenty three, and then fertilize with Micah, Matthew, Mark. You right, know, yeah. People can go deeper. Yeah. But know. that's what's amazing about it. That's the level of research that yeah. is, um, is very, very academic and, um, uh, very well researched and well thought out and um what a fascinating project this must have been to put this together it really has been wonderful how long did it take you to write pardon me how long did it take you to write this the actual writing was about two and a half years okay yeah and then it took a long time i hadn't even read the whole bible when i got this idea you know Uh (laughs) and so it took a while to outline it and just and just lay out those topics and, and which verses were going to be covered in which topics. Uh, yeah. And, I should have read more of the Bible and I went to Catholic school, Shelley, <laughs> and I was, a, and I didn't read, there was, well, the Catholic tradition is there's not a lot of Bible reading. There's I was going to say, of, it's more just guilting and telling you. Yeah. What, there was yeah. a lot of interpretation, but um, yeah. <laughs> second and third hand, but one, uh, this is a funny story related to the Bible. So, but in, in my junior year, my English teacher, who I loved, is signed the entire Old Testament as summer reading. Oh, my you know, gosh. And that, and we were going to be tested on it, and we were so angry about it. We're yeah. like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. That's just cruel. Yeah. You know? That's a rough summer. And, of course, I did not read the entire Old Testament, but it probably would have served me well. And then yeah. the quiz was on... It wasn't a very in-depth, but he just quit. He quizzed us on the books, yeah. the, uh-huh. the names of the books of the Bible. And of course, none of us passed, but it was just like a very interesting, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, very, let's, you know? let's talk a little bit more about, I did a little research um, and because uh, I was also interested in kind of the herbs associated with Jesus's life. And let's yeah. talk about at his birth, since we're yes. embarking on the manger um, what was it, you know, we all know the story of him being birthed in a manger, but what literally was he birthed on? And I read that it's called Gallium Verum, which is gold ladies bed straw, which is a flowering perennial common to Europe. It generally flowers in July and August and the flowers are bright yellow. Um, it has tiny hair like roots of a reddish color and it, the Latin name, um, gallium, is derived from the Greek gala and means milk. So this is in reference to the plant's ability to curdle milk. Um, in some parts of Europe, it's called curdwort or cheese renning. Um, and at the time, at the same time the plant curdled its milk, it was also coloring the che- it also colors the cheese a nice bright yellow. So today, annatto is used to color the cheese, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, as well as other things. Right. Yeah. Um, 
So it was also used as a medicinal tea, and it's recommended for kidney stones and epilepsy and dropsy. And it's widely used as the stuffing for mattresses. So <laughs> Jesus was really the first, maybe he was the first marketer of mattresses <laughs> <laughs> and cheese. <laughs> um, so let's also talk then about frankincense and myrrh, right, Carm? Do you want to talk about that? Because yeah. those are the yes. those are the well, when spices associated spices, with the three kings. Yes, um, so they were the gifts of the magi, right? They yeah. came from the east, yeah. um, and uh, were they meant to save Jesus from the pain of arthritis? <laughs> it's possible, according to researchers at Cardiff University in Wales, who kind of been studying the medicinal uses of frankincense. Um, since the early days of Christianity, biblical scholars and theologians have offered varying interpretations of the meaning and significance of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh that the Magi presented to Jesus, um, according to the Gospel of Matthew in 2.11. These valuable items were standard gifts to honor a king or a deity in the ancient world. Gold is, is obvious, a, a precious metal. Frankincense was a pretty valuable uh, perfume or incense, and myrrh um, was an anointing oil. And in fact, these same three items were apparently among the gifts, and they were recorded in ancient inscriptions, also offered to the god Apollo in 243 BCE. Um, in the book of, of Isaiah, when describing Jerusalem's glorious restoration, it tells of nations and kings who will come and bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. That's in Isaiah 66. Um, although Matthew's gospel does not include the names or numbers of the Magi, many believe that the number of gifts is what led to the tradition of the three wise men. So um, tell us what you found in your research, Shelley, with those uh, with those items, with the myrrh and the frankincense being from plants? Well, the most important thing I love is that uh, to really, uh, for me as a gardener, and I'm sure to you, you and your listeners as well, is to, to really relish those moments and those mentions of plants and scents that we can connect to today. Uh, there are frankincense candles and oils available today and myrrh as well. And mm -hmm. even though uh, those plants might be a little more difficult to grow in our home gardens. They are tangible, real things. We are trying to imagine and um, uh, develop or cultivate our uh, awareness of the Lord and being in the Lord's presence. And so he, his word is filled with real plants, with real properties, with real scents and roots and leaves and, and colors that right. we can experience and and just uh, uh, imagine him and connect to him in in even though he is intangible or invisible the invisible god there are there are concrete things we can hold on to to gain a greater awareness and relationship with him yeah and i love so, the story of rosemary um which which i found this this plant is apparently the plant that mary threw her blue coat on um, while she was in Egypt, she, you know, I can imagine her just tossing her coat on. And Rosemary used to have apparently white flowers, but now they are blue because of the divinity of Mary's stature. So I really found that kind of interesting and fun to think about, you know, when you yeah. think about lavender flowers. And also, additionally, they say that lavender will only grow to six feet high, which is the traditional height of Jesus, 
um, when he died at 33 years. And it will only grow wider and not taller. Mm -hmm. So I find that kind of interesting as a folklore. Yeah, I love these folkloric and mythical things. And very interesting. And, and Pennyroyal, um, which is mentha... Pelagium. Pelagium. Mm -hmm. It's one of the major herbs, and that was used to repel fleas and insects. Um, the symbolic meaning is to escape and flee, which is exactly what Mary and Joseph did after visiting with the three wise men who warned them of King Herod's wicked intent. So I find that kind of interesting, too. And pennyroyal is actually pretty easy to grow and find um, yes. in the garden. That's on my list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, we have to take a break. Yeah, it's time to take a break. Stay on the line. Shelly will be back okay. in a few minutes. You're listening to We Dig Plants on Heritage Radio Network. Since 2001, Heritage Foods USA has sold pasture-raised, antibiotic-free heritage meats to restaurants and homes around the country. Our farmers raise their animals with care using traditional methods guaranteed to produce the very best-tasting meat. Our pork breeds include Berkshire, Red Wattle, Duroc, Gloucester Old Spot, Large Black, and Tamworth, and our beef comes from Piedmontese, Angus Akiyushi, Belgian Blue, Highland, Simmental, and Belted Galloway cattle. We also carry a rotation of 24 rare breeds of heritage chicken, seasonal specialties like lamb, goat, geese, and of course, heritage turkeys. Visit us online at www.heritagefoodsusa.com or give us a call at 718-389-0985 to place your order today. Hi, welcome back to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Carmen DeVito. And I'm Alice. Uh, we are here with Shelley Cram. Um, we're, we're, we're having a show of biblical proportions today. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shelley has written a wonderful book. Um, it's actually a Bible. A God's Word for Gardener's Bible, Grow Your Faith While Growing Your Garden by uh, Zer, how do we put it? Zondervan Bibles. Yes. So Shelley... Let's get into... Um, Shelly, wait. Do you have the book right in front of you? Yes. Okay. Okay, good. All right, because we want you to read a little passage from it next. Um, so um, it's, it's winter officially. The winter solstice has just passed. And um, Alice and I thought that it would be great for you to read um, a passage that relates to winter um, from your book. It's from Titus... 312. It's I have, page 1392. I have decided to winter there. Would you mind reading that for our audience, Shelley? Yes, I would. It's okay, a beautiful passage. Again, from Titus, as Paul had said, he decided to winter there. So here's our devotion. Winter slows the pace of the garden. Gives us time to reflect on all we have experienced in the mad dash from spring to fall. We spend winter time among family and friends as Paul decided to stay with his friends in Titus 3.12, and do our best to come together through the holidays. If there are many still and quiet moments to be had, a time of year to appreciate singular beauties, seeing God draw near in the clear winter light. And here's a quotation by Mary Keene, who wrote Gardening with Color, and she wrote, 
This is the time of year to appreciate the beauty of a single plant or flower. Any flower that blooms in winter is a rarity and will merit closer inspection than it would later in the year when abundance rules. The best winter light is clear, bringing cut glass definition to stems and leaves. This clarity has the effect of focusing the eye on simple features. Beautiful. One gardener told this story. A chilly morning run brought me to a sheltered place of prayer, a small overlook opening onto a frost-covered golf course. After pounding the pavement with my troubles, my exhaustion in this frequented spot brought me to be still, which is as in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. There I noticed God's quietness, His holiness, not in an exciting or goosebumpy way, but as a gentleness that surrounded me and seemed to fill the air. In the aloneness, I was not alone. The emptiness was full of the Lord. The quietness rejoiced, and the winter morning glowed with his presence. How else can I express it? Is this what is meant by his word, the Lord is near? Oh, Lord, help me remain aware of you. Giddy yet speechlessly wondering, filled yet ready to move, I walked silently back home and through the front yard. The annuals were frozen and shriveled, the perennials bowed over in retreat. The trees bare-branched, letting in muted sunlight that barely warmed. Yet treasures remained in this winter garden. Even in the cold temperature of this December day, a few roses were still blooming. I spied a huge, frilly peace blossom. Urgent business waited at my desk, phone, and inbox, but I stole just a moment more to fetch the pruners and bring these last beauties inside. The Lord had whispered peace to me, his touch of promise in a pale winter morning, his affection in the white flower delivery out of season. And a prayer, O oh Lord, thank you for your gentle whisper, which it says in 1 Kings 19.12. And the remain, reminder in this moment of the simple truth that you calm storms. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. It's, it's great. It's a beautiful passage. And, and I loved reading it because it reminded me of those solitary times in in the winter and how lonely it can seem upon first thought of it but then the more that you are outside the better you feel you know yeah. when, when when i'm lucky enough i live right next to prospect park in brooklyn and i'm there every single day and you know you get up you're irritated you've got to take the dog out it's cold you got to get the kid ready for school like all the stuff and then you do go into the park, and it's just magnificent. The winter time, and the landscape is the most magnificent. And it does elevator. Yeah, that and I've, it does you know? magnify. You yeah, know, you you look for beauty in yeah. a more precise way. Yeah, you definitely. know. And I could really relate to that passage. Mm-hmm. I remember. Um, I took a photo of the last rose in my garden, uh-huh. and it was after Thanksgiving, and everything. I'd kind of started to cut everything down. And I was about to cut down the roses like I usually do. And there was one big, blousy, giant, purple, fat, fat, you know. And and I thought about leaving it there, you know, to just kind of break apart and, you know. And I said, no, I want to bring it in. I want the last of the, I want to enjoy this last. That was your piece, Lily. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and mine was called the Prince, so I don't uh-huh. know, yeah. you know, <laughs> I don't know what prince. that means, but yeah. you know, well, we've been talking on a very micro level 
um, in a sense, with specific plants. And Allison, I want to talk with you, Shelley, about the gardens of the Holy Land. Yeah, can you tell and us about that? Because you have a whole section about that. Yes, yeah, so the um, the whole first part of the devotions are 12 weeks taking you through the Bible landscapes as a landscaper or as a gardener would, would see them and would appreciate them. And to look at the stories and the, the events that happen there and see how those settings are are part of that story and how they bring the message of those moments home. And so it's just wonderful. I, I found this, you were saying before, uh, dreading to read the Old Testament. I felt the same way until I looked at it like a landscaper or a gardener and to move through these these scenes, this scenery is just marvelous. So, of course, we start at the Garden of Eden, one of the, I mean, the all-time world's right. most famous garden. garden. The Garden of <laughs> Gardens. Anyone can tell you something <laughs> about the Garden of Eden. That's where we start. But then the story moves into the Fertile Crescent, which is the land of the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. And then uh, the story moves from the uh, Abraham leaves that area south of, uh, south of the two rivers, and moves, uh, God calls him to move into this land that he promises them, which is Canaan, which we later study as the promised land, or what is mostly Israel today. Mm-hmm. But the, he doesn't stay there very long before he's called down to Egypt. There's a famine in the land, and he moves on to Egypt. And so we look at the land of Egypt, which is a fascinating landscape. Mm-hmm. It is otherwise a desert, except for the Nile River waters that land so regularly they could almost set their watches if they had them then they had clocks you know timekeeping of course but right uh, i mean and there is as as uh, the research showed me that there it literally is a line where the the river will flood and bring that silt to to make uh, very rich farmland and then where the river goes no farther is a desert yeah <laughs> it's yeah so clear cut uh, desert and fertile. I mean, it, I know, and it, so fertile they exported. I mean, they they fed the Roman Empire, right? The Egyptians yes. fed the Ro- the entire Roman Empire, right? Yes. It's it's so amazing the produ- the productivity of that land. Well, I think I think thinking of of the whole Bible as a landscape, and for me, I always want the tangible, right? I'm always wanting to know. What did it look like? What like I need I need the kind of real visual stimulation for me yeah. to understand, you know? Yeah. And that's why I mean I, I'm a sucker for those like history channel reen- yes. reincarnated, <laughs> re- recreated historical like shows. But I felt like I felt like the the beginning chapters that you've just described really really did that. Like I think it's the the description was so good. It it really it it you know it 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 places you there and i think yeah. for you to really understand it you have to understand that place and it's, it's it's lovely the way that you have have thought about that thank you thank you and it's fascinating then it's a key point because the egypt is a very consistent dependable you know hardly have to think it's a very it actually leads to complacency it's so regular but where the land he takes them to the promised land is is nothing like the farming that they're going to do in the promised land is nothing like the farming of egypt because they're here they've been tigris euphrates river similar watering those lands around it but in the holy land it's a mountainous land right they had to 
forge. They had to make their farmland, and they had to terrace right. those rockier places. And so they had to have faith in God. Wait a minute, where are you taking us? There's not even a river here to water things. You yeah. Know? So, so yeah. They, it, yeah. it really grew their faith to rely on him. But there was a way to farm and prosper in in this new promised land. But we have to go through the Sinai Desert first. Yeah. There's a yeah. You know, <laughs> epic story, a great movie to go out and see yeah. Exodus. Right. And get a great visual there on the Sinai Desert, rugged land. But when you consider their their um, their travels there in the uh, Sinai Desert, as complete extreme from the Garden of Eden where it started from. Right. And so it just that's one of the themes that comes up again and again once you look at this from a gardener's point of view is God is God from the garden all the way to the desert. God is God from the highest heavens all the way to earth, from heaven to earth, from desert to garden, from east to west. Constantly there are these extremes. It's a beautiful thing to start taking that in. I loved reading also about, um, uh, so as I was putting the show together, I, of course, I started researching gardens, like in the, you know, in Jerusalem and, yes. and I, cause I'm just so curious, like, yes, you yes. know, so I, I started reading about, of course, you start reading about garden archaeology, right? And I started reading about the garden of Gethsemane. Yes. Um, which is the oil press garden. It's yes. located at the foothills of Mount Olive in Jerusalem. And this is the garden where Jesus prayed and the disciples slept the night before Jesus' death. Yes. It's where he was betrayed by Judas. Yes. And the site is actually an unknown location. Um, it's debated among historians and religious groups, you know, w- within a few miles of each other. The actual location is a little... Um, Unclear. A little unclear. But what I love is there was an Italian cons- an Italian group that that dated some olive trees, um, and they think that they have through DNA and and olive tree research, they think that they've located where it where this been. garden was. Yeah, because of the age of the olive trees. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. So, and the Virgin Mary is thought to be buried among these. Um, among these olive trees. In oh, that this would garden. be an amazing pl- I think I think Shelley, you have to lead a biblical garden yes. tour. I think that that would be the next logical step. step you. you know, oh, wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> that would be amazing. a Holy Land yeah. tour with the with the sort of yeah. point of view of plants and gardens, and I and think that, Jesus that would be amazing. Walk through his life. You know? I don't think that that's ever been done. No, I think you can get some funding for that too. <laughs> well, Shelly, yeah. it's 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 been like really a pleasure to meet you and travel this book with you. Thank you so much. I'm sorry that we're kind of running short on time, um, but I really encourage people to get on the website, follow you on your um, blog. So why don't you plug your book and your website? I appreciate that very much. Our website, again, is gardenindelight.com. That's www.gardenindelight. And just as a quick side note, Eden, the Garden of Eden, the meaning of Eden is delight. And so this 
right. website is in reference to that oh, first garden. It's a perfect. It's, and it's, there you will be able to buy the book. You can also download a sample chapter to get a little better feel of what we've been talking about, uh-huh. how the book is laid out. And uh, also I write a weekly blog that's about bringing these plants into your daily life, your cooking, your gardening, and also... Um, uh, there is a we're working on the plant guide so of course the bible is thick enough as it is so we there are no pictures in it but our website has pictures of the plants that are featured so that again helps you with the visual and, and really get to know them one one last thing i'd like to encourage um i your your writing on the blog is so accessible i really appreciated and and loved reading your piece on the persimmon and how difficult it is to you know, actually just find the time to cut a persimmon and enjoy it. And, you know, it's and and that's what I like is that you have you have found the time to actually do these things. Yes, And it's remarkable. Thank you. You're welcome. It's fun. <laughs> it is fun. fun. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's very necessary for people to just slow down a little bit and um, and spend some time, you know, uh, reflecting. Are you yes. going to be um, in Texas for Christmas, Shelley? Yes, we are here in Texas, and it's uh, not very snowy, so we're just imagining a uh, white Christmas, but, uh, but we are thankful to get to play outside. <laughs> yeah, and that is nice. It's going to be 50 and raining here. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Shelly, thanks again for the time. Thank you for giving us a perfect ending for this 2014 season. Um, okay. we'll, we'll be in touch. <laughs> Great. I look forward to it. Okay. Good blessings Thank- to your show. Thank, Thank you. you. And you've been listening to another episode of We Dig plants it's been a beautiful year um please follow us on our facebook fan page we dig plants um and also support heritage radio network this year you still have time to make a donation for 2014 thanks for listening and see you in the garden happy gardening thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org you can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the itunes store by searching heritage radio network You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.